Recovery Talks, a podcast from Changing Lives. Hello and welcome everyone to the Recovery Talks podcast. Uh, my name is Andy Ryan, I work for Changing Lives, we're here again and um, depending on when you're listening to this in the morning, in the evening at nine, um, I hope you're well and today, um, yeah, on the, on the podcast we've often had, had guests where there's been like a real focus on their experience and then sometimes we've had the wider stuff with the, the system um, and some of the kind of leaders who are strategically placed and I'm really fascinated with today's guest because I think what we've got is people kind of working within uh, within the sector in a region who um, and we're going to try and talk about community connections we're going to try and talk about the place that the service have but we're going to talk about things like stigma so there's quite a lot to this really so it feels like feels like today's podcast could be one of those where we're trying to bridge a bit of a gap really between it all so it'd be interesting to see where we go with this and what their thoughts are on this and I, I hope you enjoy it so with me on today's podcast I have Jill and Billy um, and as mentioned there in, in the intro um, there's a couple of people that I, I, I well I have the pleasure of saying I, I know and have I've worked with and, and we've shared a training room together um, so I'm really glad that they've joined us today because I've, I've heard some of their thoughts. We've had some really good conversations. So I'm going to pull out a few strands today to see where we go with this and probably learn a bit more about what they do. A, so these couple of guys from Hartlepool, the start team in Hartlepool, and absolutely, by the way, an absolutely amazing team. Um, when I was part of the training, fantastic energy, the real good stuff that you want to see, um, that kind of optimism and that ambition. So if you're out there and you're listening, by the way, the rest of the team, hello. Um, and I've got a couple of them to, to, to join me on a podcast to share a bit of that energy and that knowledge as well. So before we get into, I suppose, the meat of the conversation, we'll do a couple of intros. Uh, Jill, do you want to say a bit about who you are and, and what you're up to? Yeah, so my name's Jill Blackett um, and I've been fortunate enough to work within Hartlepool Substance Misuse Services for over 15 years. Um, so currently a team leader for START, which stands for Support and Treatment and Recovery Together. Um, and I have oversight of one of the teams working with adult substance misusers who are accessing the service. Thanks, Jill. And I, I, I say this to most people, and it is, it is a truth, so I hope it doesn't get diluted in me saying it. But thanks for making the time to do this today as well, because I am very aware of how busy things are at the minute. Um, and it's great to have you on and, and 15 years to be experienced. So I'll not I don't lord it too much and put too much pressure on your shoulders here. With no, Fifty don't. years, yeah, yeah, fifty years experience. But it's great that you could join us. So lovely to Thank see you, you again. Yeah. And just to mirror again, absolutely fabulous training, and Andy, that um, we did do. <laughs> well, I tell everybody and anybody who wants to listen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, um, Billy. Nice to see you again. Would you like to say a bit about who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, so I'm Billy. Uh, I'm one of the care coordinators here at Start. Uh, I've got a Joe role actually. I work with something called a community support team as well, where I'm placed with um, a team of social workers and uh, somebody from Harbour, and uh, targeting this specific ward in Hartlepool. Um, it's a it's a bit of a trial. Um, yeah, I've worked here for eight years now. I'm in recovery myself actually. Um, I did that classic route through. Uh, through services so I was a client and then I was a peer mentor and then I was a volunteer uh, got my first job as like a social enterprise middle exchange so I've done a variety of different roles in that time. Cheers Billy and, th and, and thanks again for, for joining and likewise I know it's it's difficult making time there's plenty to be done out there and um and I love the pitch there it feels like there's another podcast to be had here as a um Billy's story we'll have to do like another podcast on this one that's fantastic um so 
so usually what I do is I roll into a question. It feels like a bit of a frame of reference question, really. It's like kind of what is recovery to you? What does it mean to you? Um, but I also think it would be really important to talk a bit about, as you mentioned there, Jill, start, you know, um, supporting treatment and recovery together, what that means and what, what you guys are actually doing at the minute. So can you can you say a bit more about start and the team and the kind of place you have in recovery for people and, and the community itself? Since the pandemic, um, we've had to unfortunately lose some of our buildings where we were able to offer um, PSI and group work interventions. So, and again, influenced by the pandemic, our offer was really, really limited. Um, we're in the process of waiting for a purpose-built building to be made. Um, so at the moment, we're very, very short on space. Um, however, we are still trying to offer the best service that we that we can. Um, and I do think we are offering a very good service. So we offer um, same day prescribing for anybody that's wanting opiate substitute treatment, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, so we're really proud to be able to be kind of one of the trailblazers for that. Um, and we basically offer um, a service that's inclusive of anybody and everybody that's want to come down who needs support to make their lives better when it's been negatively affected by substance misuse, whatever that may be. Um, needs led but genuinely needs led as well Andy and not just kind of playing lip service and using those buzzwords as well um, and I think people sorry, Jill, can, I just, can I just jump in there as well because mm -hmm. something I would add to that in, in, in having met the team is it, it came across to me very early on that there was this absolute focus that it was about people but you know it wasn't about substances it really was about people um, and I, that that was that was that was really nice to see, and obviously, kind of hope you hope that it's everywhere. But that real kind of um, humanistic approach towards, you know, this isn't about a substance that maybe you're dependent on, or that you've got problems with, or you've got a relationship with. It's about you as an individual, um, and I think that's that's such a strong point within the team. Yeah, and, and it's obviously it's what that issue means to them and how significant it is. So kind of nobody is discounted or discluded um, and we will provide enough support in any way that we can. Um, and then obviously we've got those um, bigger goals when we move into our new building. It's going to be a really, really exciting time where we can increase our service provision even more um, to deliver a more comprehensive PSI um, timetable really so yeah it's all going really well at the moment oh nice one so exciting times really could, could be quite developmental times i don't know billy would you add anything to that uh, no, I mean, one of the things what uh, really struck me when we were doing that training, and it was something what you all said about um, recognising a known old place in this community, um, because it's 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 a it's a funny little place, Hartley Paul. I know everywhere says that, but we're not quite County Durham, we're not quite Tees, are we? Don't really seem connected to to everything else. Um, but there's, I mean, there's advantages what come with that as well. So. Um, in terms of like recovery and recovery community and visibility and things like that. And it is really, really exciting the things that are happening at the moment. We're finally seeing light at the end of the tunnel with the new building and everything. Um, we're getting out and about in the community now far more than we have been able to for quite a while. So yeah, exciting times ahead, I think. Oh, nice one. Nice one. And there is, there absolutely is something about being in the community as well. Interestingly, I was listening to the radio the other day and they were talking about community policing and having the, like Bobby's back on the beat. And it felt similar. I've had similar conversations in the sectors like we don't just need to be all based in this building where people come to you. It's like being in communities as well is really important if we're going to kind of challenge any of the narrative that surrounds that and probably reach people that might not 
access the support through a traditional pathway or referral pathway. So that visibility is, is key, really. And that I suppose that lends me into uh, probably the reason for the podcast. There was a few emails bouncing around about community transformation and the work that, that, that you guys are all involved with um, up in Hartlepool. Um, and I think, you know, we, we've had a brief chat about this, talking about the kind of integration, the breaking down of barriers and, and the role that all of that plays in, in probably challenging and reducing stigma, really. Um, so I, it, it feels massive to talk about. Um, and on that kind of on that note, I don't know if there's anything that you want to pitch in to begin with around the kind of in, integration and breaking down and barriers and the, and the work you're doing and the importance of that. Um, is, I mean, is there anything that jumps straight to your head around that? For me, I just want to say that the um, the rationale behind it 100% makes sense and it's logical and I don't know why we weren't doing it sooner. Or I think that we probably were doing something like this, again, going back to pre-pandemic. Um, but then sadly, um, all services became really isolated and those good working relationships, even just putting faces to names in terms of staff, it disappeared. So building that up again, but then building it even stronger than it was pre-pandemic. Um, yeah, we should have been doing it sooner, but um, I'm just really glad to say that um, we are kind of leading at the front and being a bit of a trailblazer for the community transformation. Um, and I just want to give a bit of credit to um, Paul, who was a previous employer here. So he really worked hard to embed that within this service to make us part of that wider community transformation and then handed the reins over to me. Um, mm to kind of continue that but yeah it, it absolutely makes sense so when you talk about integration sorry sorry Billy I can see it. when you talk about integration who will be integrating with I'm just thinking if anyone's listening to this and it's like you've got a standalone commission drug and alcohol treatment service which can't be as effective as it could be if it's not integrated and I catch myself doing this it's like oh it needs to be integrated sometimes I think, what do you mean by that Andy? What, you know, what do you mean? I don't, sorry, Billy, was you going to speak then? Yeah, well, I, I, just as an example, so I think working for the local authorities really, really handy, as it turns out, because we've got access to, to far more things than we used to uh, when we were working for charities. So um, so if I can give you an example, we have community hubs in Hartlepool, which um, used to be libraries, essentially, but community centres. Uh, we have a presence in there now pretty much permanently so not only can we have like one-to-one -one appointments and get people away from like traditional drug and alcohol environments uh, we're sat amongst we're sat with mental health workers we have community navigators and within uh, there's people there who can help with employment and training education and that kind of thing um, and working alongside other professionals and other teams is uh, really really interesting so when we're talking about like breaking down stigma and um and, and being that presence in the community and just check, you know, challenging people, but sometimes like with a smile on your face, having the ability to be able to go into these places and do that thing, them kind of things is really, really good. And, and, we, and we can see the, uh, the impact of that already. Yeah, yeah. And it can be difficult, can't it? Like you're saying about bringing different cultures of different teams and, and I suppose different drivers of different teams as well. It's like what might be important to a mental health team here might not be as important or, or as high on the agenda to a social work team to a, a GP-led service, to a, a treatment and recovery service like ours. So you're trying to bring that all together, but for hopefully to make sure that the suite of support that's on offer is, is I mean, I'm saying this out loud and I'm looking at you both on a screen as well. I suppose I'm checking this out. Is it so that people can see what's available to them so that they don't have to then go, 
fear or there or I'm not sure about this I'm not sure is, is that the, the, the yeah. idea behind this so yeah. it's accessed there and then as well and what we tend to find is we'll want to refer somebody on to another service we know the value of it mm. if you go to that service they're the people that can absolutely help you the chances of them kind of then finding the motivation to go somewhere that's not familiar um etc etc so if you're seeing your client within the um the central hub as part of the community transformation oh there's um such and such from adult social care i'll take you to them now so it's breaking down so many barriers it's delaying waiting lists and referrals and it's just that support straight away Mm. Um, and it's when you were talking about integration, who they integrating with, it's everybody integrating with each other and breaking down those barriers and um, kind of judgments. So, so, and, and, and I've had, in fact, I mean, over the years, I've sat in a few meetings where, if I'm being really honest, some people get a bit frightened with this offer of immediacy. It's like, oh, we're, we're just trying to be there all the time for people. We're just trying to, I, and I, I often challenge that with, with the, the, I mean, particularly when I think about recovery and addiction, those windows of opportunity moments, it, we are on a fluctuating kind of rhythm with people. There's no constant here. So the idea of having, uh, like you said, like you say, Nergil, it's kind of available now. It's, you know, we can do this now. It's so beneficial because things can change quite rapidly for people. And what might have been a priority two hours ago might not be two hours later. And what might be happening in my life, whether that's about my personal health, my well-being, my social network that I'm amongst, my, my housing issues, my there's so many moving parts in all of this. To be able to have that immediacy is just it's crucial, isn't it? It's not us just being like nanny state pandering to kind of like, oh, we need to be everywhere for everyone. It's, I, do, do you get that as well? Do you sense that's Am I saying the right thing there or do you think we're being overboard with that? Or No, I get what you mean. It's about getting that balance between instant gratification and then kind of putting responsibility and onus onto people. But those services that are in these um, central hubs are available for everybody. So if Joe Bloggs, member of the public that doesn't have um, substance misuse, use issues can go and access something instantly then why can't our service users so it's putting a different viewpoint on it isn't mm. it really it, the, yeah. these they're accessible to everybody yeah 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 i, I think uh, sorry andy I, I think one of the things as well is like well, obviously we're going to be talking about stigma so you know we work with a stigmatized group with people but i think sometimes the people we work with self-stigmatizing as well so like they don't feel like they're entitled to the same things as other people so just being able to get them in that kind of environment, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I, I mean, there's, there's not enough, because uh, you've kind of leaped in there, Billy, so we'll, we'll crack on with that. I think the, um, the <laughs> straight in, there you go. Breaking down barriers and challenging stigma. And I, do you know, it's a great headline. It's, it's like, you know, and it's quite an attractive headline in that you could write stuff about it, you could talk about it for hours, you could... Um, but it sounds like with the work that you're doing, actually working alongside partners and having these conversations and having that contact with people and, and also for the people accessing support, seeing that connectivity as well and all that, that that's available to them. There is absolutely so much value in or will be seen in how we break down these barriers and the stigma. And I think it was really interesting what you said there, Billy, around um, there's the external stigma. But one of the biggest challenges is that internalised stigma that people carry as well, because we could create. The, the the most amazing one stop everyone's here health well-being it's there for you some people won't even access that because of what they believe about themselves as well so do you, i mean I, I, is there anything 
I'm with people listening and I'm sure everyone's got their own thoughts on this. Is there anything that you've got kind of that you do that helps people kind of access support or challenge that or or guide people towards that and let them know where you are? Is it is there anything you're doing there around this community transformation? So, uh, well, uh, as I was saying about the, the community centres that we work and I, I have one-to-one appointments there. If I'm going to, I'll have them, we can bulk rooms. Um, and I want people to be able to see it because um, it's quite recent change with these community centres. So there were like your traditional libraries where you have to go in and be really, really quiet and everybody seemed to notice everything what you were doing. When you go in there now, it's like a hive of activity. Um, there's all kinds of different things going on. When I do my smart meeting on a Friday, they're doing exercise for pensioners outside and the music's playing and it's it's very, very different to the kind of um, environment people imagine, I think. But once people see that and see that they get lost amongst it all and, and you know, not centre of attention and nobody knows they could be there for any reason at all, um, it does make a difference. And I, I do find myself spending more and more time over there, really. Mm. Um, and, and just encouraging these one-on-one appointments and like Jill said and just to be able to show them all the different kinds of things that are going on because there's you know there's so much yeah yeah and that's it's why I love it when this happens you know like because like for years I was probably one of those people that talked about things like the recovery capital and stuff like that but actually I sit and listen to you for five minutes believe you go, oh that's what that is <laughs> that's what they, that's what they meant by that is actually, you know, for, we could talk for probably ages, could we could say, well, it's about reconnecting with the community. You know, how, how? Yeah, that's a great sentence, but how? Don't have your appointments in a drug treatment service, have them in a local library, have them in a local centre, and then they'll see what else is happening in the community. They'll connect with different social networks. They'll feel part of their community again, which is, you know, when you when you kind of reverse engineer that, we're getting them into challenging that self-stigma, aren't we, of like, I don't belong. You know, you really do. We all do. You know, and we need some ways of challenging that. And it's not always verbal, psychosocial one-to-one, is it? It's, it's the doing as mm. well. It's the kind of doing and being part of. Um, so that's, I mean, that's that's absolutely crucial. And I think um, hopefully more and more of that moving forward, that people see that, that we don't need these kind of isolated locations. We need to be more visible. I think you said at the beginning, Billy, like um, the conversation around what, what what's our role in the community, what's our part in the community. Um, and more than just a label of start, but all of you are people of that community as well. Everyone that works in a drug and alcohol treatment team has got a vested interest in the health and well-being of their community. So recognising that. And I'm rattling on again. I'm just like I'm doing a sales. I feel like I'm now getting into a sales pitch for you both because it's bloody good stuff. So, uh, Sorry, is there anything you would say there, Jill, just to shut me up, if nothing else? Um. <clears throat> See, I've put you on the spot now, Anna. I've rambled. You have, you have. It's just really reinforcing the point that we want to give people the absolute best chance and the best package of care um, and it's more than sadly just what we can provide well and, it, and it's not sadly it's obviously there is other things out there and there is so much out there like community navigators social prescribers and we can link people in with these and it is really really life-changing stuff um and I'm, I'm yeah I feel really fortunate that we're part of it and I know we've spoke about this before and I don't if I'm honest and it might just be me because of the circles that I'm in so apologies to anyone listening who thinks it is just probably my naivety but that doesn't get talked about enough as well it is that life-changing but intergenerationally life-changing as well because if you change the trajectory or support someone to change their trajectory or their family's trajectory at this stage the knock-on effect that that has generation after generation is phenomenal absolutely phenomenal I don't think we 
we talk, I, I meet so many people that are kind of, um, they've had some support, they've moved on, they're working, they're doing the thing now, but that's different. And now their kids are doing different. And now, and I think, oh, and that that's it. That's absolutely amazing. Because it's that real deep-seated belief that something ha- something different has happened here. Because it, whatever the problem was, and a lot of people have spoke to me for years when I was working in the sector, um, it is carried intergenerationally. They talk about problems experienced in parents, grandparents, family networks, family systems. So there's a lot of that in there. So it is really powerful, really powerful. Um, where where are you going then? What's the utopian? You know, if if I get in touch with you both in a couple of years' time, and 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 you know, and obviously you'll be celebrities by then, so I'll have to pay you to get you back on a podcast. <laughs> but you know, if I could get the fees and get you back on a podcast, um, what will you be telling me? What's it looking like for staff and and Hartley Pool and yourselves and the team? Is is there anything that you've got visionary? dreams for this kind of community transformation possibilities is it more of the same do we need to make sure we're still doing you know like you said jill we did it before then it dropped off we did you know we need to get out of that trend where are we at yeah definitely maintenance and progression for me with regards to the um community transformation stuff um but that's a much wider kind of vision and plan with um respect to start will be in our beautiful new building and we will be running and it'll be a hive of activity there uh, which will be a positive as well um delivering a raft of psi interventions i.e group work um conducting a lot more face-to-face appointments um we're so limited on space at the moment that we're still having to kind of use um COVID pandemic methods of like, lots of telephone appointments. So we want to encourage more and more people to come down. Um, we have um, staff wrote on to the, um, the central hub, um, where is the um, community transformations kind of leading from. Um, and the more that we, we're going through a big recruitment drive at the moment, so then we're going to be able to get even more staff over there and then open it up into more. Um, this morning we have a, um, a wellbeing programme running from um, the South Hub um, and just keep on expanding that. And that is actually being run by um, a, a partner called Impact. Um, so the work is already starting and yet it just needs to continue developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything from you, Billy? What's your... Have you got yeah. to have a dream? This is your moment, Billy, to not... Well, so, so like in a couple of years' times, like Jill was saying, so it does, it feels like we're, we're, we're starting again to some extent, but, you know, obviously you get, when that happens, you get the opportunity to shape things a little bit, don't you? So we've got a harm reduction union in Hartlepool now, made up of um, service users. Uh, we have the smart group, but I'm hoping that they'll become peer-led and there'll be more of them. Uh, like to say, like a thriving recovery community, because like I was saying about Hartlepool, um, you know, it is quite a deprived area. And sometimes, um, you know, addiction can be really, really visible. But the opposite of that is if we can get this thriving recovery community, that can be equally as visible as well. We have a service user group, what's just started. So I'm hoping that will grow and grow. Um, yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I think it's uh, really exciting times ahead. Can I, can I just add a controversial point and see what your thoughts are on this? Because there is a lot of talk about, um, obviously, the, we have the Dame Carol Black Review and they wanted to see more people accessing support. And that's, you know, that's hopefully where we're going to be. And there has been this this funding that's been making its way through to different local authorities, which is really good news for everyone. Um, we do know as well, I suppose, the current political climate and the cost of living, that there's, there's money out there and it's going to need to be paid back. Um so things could potentially get tense over over the next few years, and there are 
you know, there's probably going to be more need than ever. And it, it saddens me to say it, but the reality, I suppose, to life is that a lot of people we've probably met as they've reached out for support, um, I've, I've, I've turned to substances to somehow help them feel or not feel or regulate or regulate anxiety or, you know, the relationships can be formed with substances through difficult times. And we're probably going to be going through that. Um, do you think we need to be mindful of anything in particular? I mean, there's the obvious stuff, isn't there, that we could see an increase in people needing support. Um, is there anything from your perspective with this kind of community-based work or just generally from your, your own experience that you think we need to be aware of moving forward? Um, and I, I'm aware that's quite that could be quite a politically charged question as well. Um, so is there anything that you're, you're thinking about that or even preparing for as a team? Um, from my point of view, we are seeing a lot more people that are coming through services who are in employment. Um, so I think as the comments that you've made about um, people using substances to, to kind of deal and cope with the, the current financial climate, coming out of the pandemic, um, I still don't think people are aware of how much the pandemic's actually affected them. Mm. Um, I went to um, an event the other day and to be sat in a room with multiple professionals, it actually felt a little bit daunting for myself pre-pandemic I wouldn't have batted an eyelid and if that's kind of me feeling that who is a pretty confident person used to mixing with people how must other people be feeling as well um so yeah a bit of personal reflection there but yeah definitely see, definitely noticing um I hate using this kind of term but um stereotypically um our client groups are changing um, and, and substance misuse, like you say, is affecting more and more people and um, in all walks of life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and is there anything, just, just on that final point, really, I think, we, you know, as we mentioned earlier, stigma, is there anything we can do right now just to let people know? Because the, my, my biggest anxiety, not biggest anxiety, because I've probably got too many of them. One of my anxieties is probably a better way of phrasing that, is that there are people right now that need help that won't reach out because potentially they think, what will people think of me? Or like you were saying there, Jill, they haven't quite recognised the development of a dependency or a, a relationship with a substance. It's not cost enough yet. Um, is there anything we can do um, to, to, to challenge that? Because I think the work that you're doing about visibility and being in different places is, is key so that it yeah. becomes more accessible. Um, I don't know if you specific to Hartlepool um, we have done um, a massive um, marketing campaign and um, at the beginning of the podcast I said that I've worked in Hartlepool for about 15 years I've never ever known drug services be promoted in the way that they have now um, and it's so um, refreshing to see that we're finally moving with the times because before it was oh no we don't want to um, kind of promote where we are we need to just kind of pale into insignificance in the background and um and not kind of be out there so yeah we've done um, media campaigns we've had advertisements put on um, billboards petrol pumps um posters all over um and we, we we need to be proud and we need to shout we are here and if you need that support then please come along yeah um and i know that billy will probably want to add some more stuff to that as well with the, the stuff that's been going on in the hubs as well because i think that is as well but again open access to anybody in the community they're coming in and kind of seeing what's going on i mean with recovery month we've just um held um some stuff in the central hub and other various places around town um and i think between three events we gave out about 30 naloxone kits to members of the public yeah um who were prepared to um be trained and use them which it's phenomenal 
Fantastic, yeah. Would you add anything to that? that that's brilliant. Though. Would you add anything, Billy? Yeah, just exactly that. Like you know, just to be getting out there and and not just confining ourselves. So like we talked about earlier, like traditional drug and alcohol environments, and making sure that we're part. We're seen alongside mental health workers, social workers. Um, we work with all kinds in, in the hopes occupational therapists, uh, and and just that, that, that we get to be seen the same. Really, if you look at like over the last few years, like the, the strides will have been made with mental health. And destigmatizing that, hopefully, we're going to achieve something similar. Yeah, yeah. Do you, I mean, do you think it's too ambitious for us to? Because I suppose we've done it today on this call, and it's probably conditioned into us via the language we use in the sector where we talk about drugs and alcohol and addiction. And but, but really, do you think? Do you think it, it, there is going to be a day in our probably times where it's just going? It's a health service. That's what this is. It's a health service. And you know, if you've got if you've got a problem with your foot, you go to that building. If you've got a mm. problem with your hip, you go to this building. And if you you know find that you've got a dependency on substances, you go here. If you go smoking cessation, you'd go there. You go, you know, if we could get to that point as part of the destigmatizing, that would that would be really really fantastic. Do you, do you think that's too ambitious, or do you think you're on your way there anyway with the work that you're doing? That it is integrated, therefore it's just about holistic kind of whole person approaches. Therefore, it's health. This is what this is. It's just health. Do you think you're there? I'm a glass half full, so I'm glad to say yes. <laughs> we'll I really I'll do think that. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that. And, and I realise it's a difficult question because, you know, we're talking on a podcast and we, you know, we. I mean, I'm the same. I want to be ambitious about this, but there is a reality to this as well. And whether we like it or not, I think I, I still do bump into people who think this is a choice people are making, which frightens me. It's like really mm. frightens me when they're not willing to look at what underpins all of the, the, the kind of process of what what this is all about for someone so um yeah be really interesting so before we finish thank you for that and and you know before we finish i always ask the cheeky question and it, it feels a bit personal so please do tell me to bugger off um but i mean obviously i've met you both and i i i know i know the places that you work i know that you know from conversations that, that I, I was privileged to be part of um over many days how difficult it can be at times, how amazing it can be at times. Um, and I always ask people, how do you do it? Like, how do you, you know, how, how do you practice what you preach? Because there's always a risk that someone walks through the door of any any services and needs some help. And you, we are absolute brilliant kind of forms of support in helping someone else make sense, make meaning, and probably look after their own health and well-being. Mm. And I've, I've bumped into far too many people in this sector that aren't very good at doing it for themselves. So I always make a point of asking a question and it does feel a bit cheeky, but how do you, you know, 15 years you were saying there, Jill, the, Billy, at the beginning, you introduced the process of how you got into the role you're in today. You know, so I, I talk to people about vicarious trauma and I think, well, you must have plenty of stuff that can trigger things for you as well, working in the sector. How do you look after yourselves? How do you do it? Does anybody want to leap with abandon into that question? Uh, well, for, my, for me personally, uh, obviously we've spoke about my my route into into doing the job what I'm doing now. So I always think I can't. Uh, that's you know that's that's my background. I, I know what it's like to to unload, and I know what it's like to talk about it. I know the value in it. I can physically feel the value in it. Um, so what I tend to do is I have I have specific people who I talk to about specific things really. Um, and I find that's really good. I've got a really good supportive team around me as well. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's absolutely something, and it's. I, I, I mean, when I say it out loud, it's so obvious, but it's people and connections. Hmm. But then the what you do, isn't it? It's being able to talk openly and honestly about what's happening for you. I mean, I 
I think I struggled with that. You know, when I first started working in the sector, it's like I thought I had to be this key worker or be this good person or be this. And what I didn't realise was my empathy was going to leave me wide open to feeling some of the hurt as well of the stuff we were doing. Um, so it was being able to say, yes, uh, you know, it's not just a case, you know, like you said about the mental health campaign. Ask twice, time to talk. How are you doing? Yeah, it's been a bit of a difficult day. But why has it been a difficult day, Andy? Come on, you've got to talk about this stuff. You can't bottle it all up. So yeah, there's something in that. Um, Jill, would you add anything? Uh, just to kind of mirror what Billy said, we, we genuinely do have a really good um, bunch of people in our team um, and it does make our work much easier. And uh, obviously it was it was evident and you've um, reiterated that, Andy, when you delivered the training to us. Um, so in addition to that, what Billy's already said about how we kind of manage things, so it's about that sounding off with really good supportive colleagues. Um, some of the techniques that you um delivered to the staff about your your regulation, your cortisol flush. We have them dawned all over the building. <laughs> and we do use them. Yeah. yeah. That exercise and swearing in my head. Swearing in your head is always a good yeah. one. Always. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the kind of internal board meeting. Absolutely. Yeah, I just need to work on my facial expression as well. I'll get more Botox. You're expressive, Jill. It's brilliant. It's fantastic. <coughs> if, if, anybody is in, if anybody is in doubt about what you're thinking, the face will tell them. Don't you worry. That's, that's <laughs> All forms of communication. Um, yeah, and it is, I mean, obviously, I've been fortunate enough to meet the team, and you're right. And, it, and what was really interesting, it was, it was a, there was a level of transparency within the team that was just about, you know, um, being able to connect, being, being able to be open and honest. Um, and sometimes it was just like, and I found this, it is the, the, like the cheeky little in-house kind of conversations that were happening, the bits of humour and you think, that's it. It's a really, it, it, was, it was almost familial. It was like really connected, really strong. Um, and I think that's so important because that safe environment, it, it, it trickles down, it, it mirrors so. Um, yeah, so uh, thank you so much for joining us for the conversation today. It's been fantastic to listen to to more of the work that you've been doing and and and, and the kind of the, the ambition that you've got and and the the ways in which you're you're kind of challenging connection and stigma um, and trying to build those those bridges in the community. Is there anything you would add before we finish? Um, no. For anyone listening, particularly um, if you're in the Hartlepool area, you, you've heard the, you've heard Billy and, and Jill today talk about um, START, so supporting treatment and recovery together. Go on any search engine, put START Hartlepool in, you'll get your contact details there. If you or anyone you know is questioning their relationship with substances and the impact it's having, there is support there. You can reach out and find out more uh, about the team there. So thank you so much for joining us today. I really, really kind of, yeah, it's been lovely seeing you both again. Um, and hopefully you've enjoyed listening too. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks Andy. Recovery Talks is a podcast from Changing Lives, hosted by Andy Ryan, Summer Stringer, Francis Donnelly and Laura McIntyre and edited by me, Bridget Hamilton. This is season four and you can find more than 30 previous episodes by searching Recovery Talks on iTunes, Spotify or Anchor FM. For more information about what Changing Lives does or to access any of their services, visit www.changing-lives.org.uk. Thank you.